Chapter 11 of Grace Harlowe's Sophomore Year at High School. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Christine Blashford. Grace Harlowe's Sophomore Year at High School by Jesse Graham Flower. Chapter 11. A Lion at Last. It was a week before the last borrowed decoration reposed in its original place, and fully that long before the echoes of the sophomore ball died out. It was pronounced the most successful class function given in Oakdale for a number of years, and the sophomores felt justly proud of themselves. Miriam Nesbitt took particular pains to point out that the success of the affair was in no way due to Grace Harlow, and many of the girls who had hitherto believed that Grace was a necessary factor in high school fun decided that they had perhaps overrated her ability. Grace was fully cognizant of their change of heart and spent more than one unhappy hour over it, but outwardly she carried herself as though unaware of the many little ill-natured stabs directed toward her. Anne, who was completely ignored, took it philosophically, her only regret being the fact that Grace had been dragged into difficulties on her account. Thanksgiving had come and gone, the high school boys had played their usual game of football with a neighbouring school and whipped them to a standstill. David had played on the team and covered himself with glory by making a sensational touchdown. The girl chums had worn his colours and shrieked themselves hoarse with joy over the prowess of their friend. Miriam, secretly proud of her brother, resolved to make a like record for herself during the next basketball game, which was to take place during the following week. She believed that it was the last touch needed to make her the avowed leader of her class. She even dreamed that the basketball captaincy might one day be hers. To be sure, Grace had Nora on her side, and Nora was one of the regular players, but the other two players were Miriam's faithful allies. That made three against two, and the second team had practically declared in her favour. Grace would have to do differently if she expected to keep the captaincy. Meanwhile, Grace was finding the captaincy of a team divided against itself anything but satisfactory. The girls, with the exception of Nora, obeyed her orders indifferently and as though under protest. It was almost impossible to get every member to come to practice. Some one of them invariably stayed away. On one occasion she spoke rather sharply to the team about it, but her earnest words were received with sullen resentment. "'What is the use of working ourselves to death simply to have our game handed over to the enemy?' one girl had muttered. Grace coloured at this thrust, but closed her lips tightly and made no reply. But the attitude of her team worked upon her mind, and she lost confidence in herself. She realised that a new and injurious influence was at work, and she was powerless to stem the tide of dissension that had arisen. The practice game was played on the afternoon before the contest, and not even Jessica was there to witness it, although she had formerly been taken as a matter of course. When invited to attend practice, she had scornfully refused it. "'No, thank you,' she said. "'If anything should go wrong tomorrow, I'd be accused of treachery. No one's reputation is safe in this class,' at which remark several sophomores had the grace to blush. The day dawned bright and clear. Grace arrived at the gymnasium long before the others. She was worried and anxious over the behaviour of her team. She was half afraid that some one of them would absent herself, in which case one of the substitutes would have to be called, and Grace doubted whether they could be relied upon.' Two months before, she had been certain that there were no players like those of the sophomore organisation. Now she had no confidence in them or herself. She had a faint hope that when the game opened, her players would forget their grievances and work for the honour of the sophomores. She would do her best at all events, and Nora could be depended upon too. All this passed rapidly through Grace's mind as she waited for the team to appear. The spectators were arriving in numbers. The gallery was almost full, and it still lacked fifteen minutes of the time before the game would be called. The proverbial little bird had been extremely busy, and all sorts of rumours regarding the two teams were afloat. The juniors were, as usual, seated in a body and making a great deal of unnecessary noise. The members of the sophomore class were scattered here and there. Anne and Jessica sat with three or four of the girls who had refused to pay any attention to the talk about Anne. 
A dozen or more of Miriam's flock sat together watching for the appearance of their favourite. Occasionally they glanced over toward Anne, whispered to each other, and then giggled in a way that made Anne wince and Jessica feel like ordering them out of the gallery. Grace and Nora stood talking together at one end of the gymnasium. Grace kept an anxious eye on the clock. It was five minutes of two, and Miriam had not arrived. Would she dare to stay away, Grace wondered. At two minutes of two there was a burst of applause from the section of the gallery where Miriam's admirers were seated. Grace glanced quickly around to see what had caused it, and beheld Miriam serenely approaching, a satisfied smile on her face. She had waited until the last minute in the hope of making a sensation, and had not been disappointed. Then the game began. Julia Crosby and Grace Harlow once more faced each other on the field of action. This time Grace won the toss and sent the ball whizzing to the goal-thrower, who tried for goal and caged the ball without effort. This aroused the sophomores, and Grace could have danced for joy as she saw that they were really going to work in earnest. The juniors were on the alert too. If they won today, that meant the season's championship. If they won the third game, that meant a complete whitewash for the sophomores. So the juniors hotly contested every inch of the ground, and the sophomores found that they had their hands full. The first half of the game closed with the score 8-6 to six in favour of the juniors. During the intermission of 20 minutes between halves, the sophomores retired to the little room off the gymnasium to rest. The outlook was indeed gloomy. It was doubtful whether they could make up their loss during the last half. Marion Barber, Eva Allen and Miriam whispered together in one corner. Grace sat with her chin in her hand deep in thought, while Nora stood staring out the window trying to keep back the tears. Two or three of the substitutes strolled in and joined Miriam's group. The whispering grew to be a subdued murmur. The girls were evidently talking about Grace, hence their lowered voices. Their long-suffering captain looked at them once or twice, made a move as if to join them, then sat down again. Nora's blood was up at the girls' rudeness. She marched over to the group and was about to deliver her opinion on them in scathing terms when the whistle sounded. There was a general scramble for places. Then the ball was put in play and the second half began. The sophomores managed to tie the score during the early part of the last half and from that on held their own. They fought strenuously to keep the juniors from scoring. When the juniors did score, the plucky sophomores managed to do the same soon after. There were two more minutes of the game and the score stood 10-10. to 10. It looked as though it might end in a tie. One of the juniors had the ball. With unerring aim, she threw it to goal. It never reached there, for Miriam Nesbitt made a dash, sprang straight into the air and caught the ball before it reached its destination. Quick as a flash, she threw it to Nora, who threw it to Marion Barber. The latter, being near the basket, threw it to goal without any trouble. Before the juniors could get anywhere near the ball, the whistle blew and the game closed. Score 12-10, to 10, the sophomores had won. The noise in the gallery was deafening. Miriam's sensational playing had taken everyone by storm. A crowd of sophomores rushed down to the gymnasium and began dancing around her, singing their class song. Her cheeks were scarlet and her eyes blazed with triumph. She was a lion at last, and now the rest would follow. She felt sure that she would be asked to take the place of Grace as captain. She had shown them what she could do. Grace had done nothing but cause trouble. The team would be better off without her. Anne and Jessica were waiting in the corridor for Grace and Nora. The two players rapidly changed their clothes, and soon the chums were walking down the quiet street. Well, said Jessica, Miriam has done it at last. She has indeed, responded Grace, and no one begrudges her her glory. She made a star play and saved the day for us. She is loyal to the team, even if she doesn't like their captain. I don't know about that, said Nora. I think she might have exerted herself during the first game if she wanted so much to show her loyalty. She was anything but a star player then. I have no faith in her whatever. She cares for no one but herself, and that star play was for her own benefit, not because of any allegiance to her team. She's up to something, you may depend upon that. 
"'Oh, Nora, don't be too hard on her. She deserves great credit for her work. Don't you think so, girls?' Grace turned appealingly to Anne and Jessica. "'It was a remarkable play,' said Anne. Jessica made no answer. She would not praise Grace's enemy, even to please Grace. "'You may say what you please,' said Nora obstinately. "'I shall stick to my own convictions. The way those girls stood in the corner and whispered during intermission was simply disgraceful. Mark my words, something will come of it.' "'Oh, here comes David on his motorcycle,' called Anne delightedly. David slowed up when he saw the girls, alighted, and greeted them warmly. He at once congratulated them on their victory. "'I congratulate you on having a star player for a sister,' said Grace. "'It must run in the family.' She referred to his late football triumphs. David flushed with pleasure, more at the compliment paid to his sister than the one meant for him. "'Sis can come up to the mark when she wants to,' he said earnestly. "'I hope she repeats the performance.' Then he abruptly changed the subject. That one little speech revealed to his friends the fact that he understood the situation and longed with all his heart for a change of tactics on the part of his sister. End of chapter 11